Sci-Fi Roundtable. I'm John Cronshaw. And I'm Ken Goodsword. And I'm Wendy Van Camp. Today we are here to talk about tools for writing, for authors, the kind of things that we use every day to get our jobs done. Now, I'm assuming that we all use the humble notepad and a pen because I find that one of the most important tools as a writer to get my ideas down, to start planning and all that good stuff. Actually, I don't very often um although i do keep a pen and a uh, post-it notepad by my bed for those middle of the night i can't find my glasses to turn on my phone to see what i need to write down types of things i actually use a a pen a fountain pen and notebooks as part of my writing process as a poet i compose pretty much all of my poetry on a paper medium first and then I transfer it to my computer to my various places for distribution or for publishing or whatnot and in my writing process for books and short stories I will often brainstorm my ideas in a notebook again with a fountain pen and uh, I find that the um going from um, your mind to the hand and paper seems to facilitate my idea process better than using a keyboard. But once I get my ideas down for writing stories, um, then I do switch to my um, computer and various software options, which we'll probably go over a little bit later. Yeah, for me, planning is, it's got to be done on paper. I use a notepad, I'll go out and, you know, it's going to be covered in scribbles and and lines and you know little things linking bits here and there and then well what i'll do from that is i'll transfer them onto um index cards you know like postcard size things and kind of arrange the scenes so i can see them laid out on a table and um so that's that's kind of like the notepad thing's really important for me for for getting that and just you know a pen and yeah i think what you're saying wendy about that that connection between the mind or whatever it is and writing rather than typing. I, I don't know. I think I feel like it frees stuff up. It, it stops it being so structured and so formal as like when you're typing and have to do it in sentences and things like that. There are some studies that have been done that show that there is a, it, when you write with a pen and paper, it interacts with a different part of the brain than when you do typing. And that part of the brain, I guess, is closer to our creative um, center, as if you will. So a lot of studies indicate you should do your planning on paper. You might get a better result that way. But I don't know. The young people are so used to keyboards these days. Uh, I, maybe that doesn't apply to them as much as this uh, old school. Thing. Well, that is interesting, though. I mean, I, even though I don't use it for my fiction writing, I do. I totally agree with what John said about the process of writing Uh, bubbles with lines in between like that's a huge thing in terms of how I have to create my own ontography just to get through life and I think that uh, like so I do use that type of process for more of a non-fiction whether they ever see the light of day or not but um, they are essentially 
just ways that I have to organize my own mind so that I don't go crazy. And that's very important for that. Yeah. You must be tapping into your spatial sense with your um, things. And that also has a great deal to do with organization. When we see a page, we also record the location on the page where things are, whether it's on a screen that's always shifting. And so again, that's why they say doing things on paper has that benefit as well. Right. It ties into your geographical senses, I suppose. Yes. Interesting. So I suppose in terms of getting your stuff down, I mean, what kind of um, software do you use to write your stuff? For myself, I have a Mainly, there's two uh, primary tools that I use. One is Google Docs, where I do the bulk of the actual writing um, and uh, most of the editing as well. I do a final draft of editing in Word um, or a Word equivalent, such as OpenOffice or LibreOffice. But uh, I, before I get to that stage, most of the work is done in Google Docs. The reason I like that so much is that I can get to it on any of my devices uh, and anywhere I happen to be, even if I have to um, use a borrowed computer or whatever, right? Like it, my, I can always get to my, uh, my stuff. Um, and the other tool at, that's actually more important even than that is a wiki. So I have um, uh, installed on my on my web hosting server, I have a my own wiki instance. So if you're if you're familiar with Wikipedia, uh, it's similar to that in terms of the structure. So there's a lot of pages with a lot of links in between them, and so I guess in a way that's a little bit equivalent to the uh, the paper format with the uh, bubbles and lines in between, because you you're breaking out of the hierarchical structure. Um, it's nonlinear. And then that really allows me to jump around um, between ideas and concepts and characters and plot points and all that kind of thing. And so being able to arrange them in different ways that are fluid, I think is, uh, is extremely important. Yeah, I use um, Wikidepad to do that, actually. So it's a similar kind of thing. It's basically a wiki generator, I suppose you call it. And it's it's basically because when I write, I have a computer that I do not connect to the internet. I can't have any distractions. So it's literally, I use Word, and I've got Dragon for dictating, and that's about it. <laughs> I mean, I used to use Scrivener, which... I find really useful, but again, I've found it distracting. I've found I've been messing around with things and messing around with settings. And I've used things in the past like Novel Factory and World Anvil and, you know, things like that that are the online kind of things to help you do it. But again, it's the distraction. It's the internet. Like, I cannot have the internet when I'm writing because I will look stuff up and then I'll go down a rabbit hole and then I'll end up right. watching episodes of Rick and Morty and stuff like that. So it's, yeah, it's like, I need this focus because otherwise I, I won't get it done. So I think the only kind of cloud-based thing that I use is, is Evernote on my phone. And that's just so when I'm out, I can stick it in that. And then I've got a thing set up on if this, then that, that sends it to a document in Google drive. So that's a good thing as well, is the if this, then that. It's, um, I don't know if you're aware of this one, but it, it basically allows you to automate a lot of things. So you can set up things like if you happen to use Twitter, then you can have automated tweets and things like that that go out every day. 
I've got a thing that curates Pitchfork's best music and then automatically generates a Spotify playlist for me. So there's loads of stuff that it does that just takes the faff out of life. So, yeah, it's good. What about you, Wendy? Uh, what kind of software do you write with? Well, I mean, I use a lot of different things. Um, I kind of specialize each step of my writing process with different programs. I think my my ultimate goal is to get everything in Scrivener. And I use Scrivener as a place to organize like a novel, to hold all my files. And then I usually will even use it to generate my first uh, EPUB or a uh, PDF for printing. Although I use other programs to tweak those files because the stuff that comes out of Scrivener is not exactly um, clean, if you will. But to start, um, I, I like, I'm kind of like John, I like to keep the internet off because I do find it very distracting. So when I'm doing my poetry, again, I'm with just a notebook and pen. Um, I do keep my phone nearby for research, but I tend to turn, just keep that out of sight. It's only there as a last resort. Then when I'm doing um, drafting for a short story or for a novel, I use various things. I, I am one of those alpha smart people, which is a digital typewriter. Um, it has no internet connection when it's time to uh, move files from the digital typewriter. And it'll store like 25, 30 pages in it. It, it has a pretty good storage. I've, I've actually, well, actually, maybe even more than that, because I have an alpha smart Neo. And I could put almost a 50,000 word document into its files if I chose to keep it there. And when I was doing NaNoWriMo, um, I would often just store most of my document on my um, AlphaSmart and I would go to write-ins with it and I would just do all my writing there with no connection at all to the internet, just maybe a few handwritten notes on the side. And then at the end of the day, I'd plug it into my computer via a USB um, printer cable and I would send the typing into my Shrivner project, which would have been pre-set up with um, the locations for the files before I write them. And then I would just send each file into its location in Shrivner. And then um, when I'm ready to edit, I do all my editing there. But these days I do um, a few other things. I also use Google Docs now, like uh, Ken stated. I find it very convenient and I like the voice typing feature. So a lot of times I will just start an idea by talking about it to the computer and I let Google Docs type all that in for me. Um, I have a phone app that I do the same thing with now as well. Um, it's called Voice Recorder, I believe, and it's via Samsung and it's free, by the way. Um, it turns my smartphone into a dictation machine, but it has a way to not only store an MP3 file, but it automatically will turn it into type and send it directly to Google Docs. And this is a new thing for me, but I've been using that a little bit more lately in my workflow. Um, let's see, what else do I use? Oh, um, yeah, I sometimes will use Evernote, but I'm kind of shying away from that in favor of a new online service called Notion. And Notion has the ability to... Um, do a Kanban um, calendar section. I believe it also has a built-in wiki in addition to all the note-taking. And I'm still learning the system, but I'm slowly moving a lot of my um, Evernote 
note-taking things into Notion, and I'm able to organize it in a way that's a little more meaningful. I don't know about the two of you, but my Evernote is getting so full that I can't find anything anymore. Even with tags, even with it, it it's become a jumble because I've been there for so long. And I don't think I've organized it well, because when I first started with Evernote, I didn't really understand how to set up an online note-taking system, which I think a lot of people are in that boat, because that was some time ago. But now that I've been using online note systems in my writing or just for everyday note-taking, I'm finding that I realize there's a better way to organize things. So I'm hoping by switching over from Evernote into um, Notion or, yeah, N-O-T-I-O-I-O-N, Notion, um, I think I can start fresh. And as I slowly import my notes from uh, Evernote and put into Notion, I think they're going to be um, a lot easier to use and to locate. And I like the extra functions that Notion has. So I think in the end, it's going to be a very useful writing tool for me. Um, I think I've covered about everything. I, I do consider myself to be a Scrivener user, though, and it really is my my main gathering point for pretty much all my work. Yeah, dictating is definitely a thing that I do. I mean, more or less all of my first drafts are done on a dictaphone with a lapel mic, and then what I do is I get the audio file and transcribe it using Dragon, naturally speaking, which is like a dictation software. And that works really well. I mean, it's you get a kind of messy first draft, but I mean, first drafts are meant to be messy, aren't they? Well, that's actually a great point because I, I forget who invented the concept of the shitty rough draft, shitty first draft, something like that. You know, I think there's something to that is like, really, I mean, it's not honestly not how I do it, but I think it's a, a not a bad idea. And when I used to write software, there was a similar kind of a mantra in in the software engineering, which was like basically write the program, then throw it away and start over again, uh, which I think, you know, because we learn so much from from doing and especially in the writing process, the you don't know what this book is going to be when you start it, even even if you do plan uh, even if you're a heavy outliner, uh, the book has a life of its own in many ways. And I think that um, sometimes it turns out to be something very different from when it started. And maybe this, maybe the beginnings uh, no longer fit. Yes, that's true. And, you know, I think new writers don't always realize that. They think, uh, oh, I'm writing something. It just looks horrible and they give up or they become discouraged. And they shouldn't because everybody, I don't care what level of writer you are, your first draft is always bad. It always needs to be fixed, always needs to be tweaked. I mean, I do know of a few people that claim that they do one draft and that's it. But as I talk to them, they say, oh, well, I write a little bit. I go back a little and then I clean up that and then I go forward and they're doing it in like a cycle. So even though they're doing one draft, they are editing as they go. So yeah. I, I don't think there's anybody that doesn't edit their work at some point, no matter what they claim. I don't know. Well, I've read I mean, some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, like in order to, I always have to read my last chapter because otherwise I don't know where I am. So when I'm reading that last chapter I wrote, I usually find something that I didn't like. 
So have you got any software that you use for editing? I mean, have you got any macros or anything like that? Oh, yeah. Um, I actually am a heavy user of editing software. Um, I love Hemingway. Um, Hemingway will point out um, adverbs, um, complex sentences. Um, it'll point out um, words that might be a little bit too complex, so you might want to simplify them. I don't do everything that the machine says. And by the way, it does no corrections of its own. It just color codes what I've written to point out these things to me. So if I see an adverb, but it's in dialogue, I'm going to leave it because that's part of a natural um, cadence of speaking. But if it's in prose and it's, in, it's just an extra thing, then I cut it. But Hemingway shows me this. Um, another software I've used is Pro Writing Aid. They're pretty good. Um, I've gotten away from Grammarly. I used to recommend them, but honestly, they've changed something that is so intrusive that I'm finding it's just worthless now. So I stay away from that one. But your mileage may vary. What uh, was the specific change on that? Well, it used to be the the least intrusive, so I would let it correct my punctuation um, with like Facebook posts and I had it everywhere. And then all of a sudden out of the blue, right at the very end of everything I was writing, there was this big go premium sign that would cover up half the line. And I couldn't literally could not see what I was writing. And I, I did a complaint. Of course, nothing's done. Um, and then I noticed that an autocorrect started and it would be changing my words and I was spending almost more time going back correcting what the machine did without my permission um, and without any knowledge that it was there at first I was and I had a lot of misspellings or wrong words and I didn't know what the heck was going on and then I realized it was Grammarly and so I finally just turned the darn thing off got off it completely and now I just use the um, spelling prompts and whatever I mean, I'm a reasonably good writer, so I don't really need a lot of extra help. I just like it to double check for typos and things like that. And I'm finding just the innate basic word processor that is in whatever comes with whatever I happen to be using online seems to be more than enough for me. I don't need that extra bit. I kind of stopped using Pro Writing Aid kind of for the same reason, but they were not as intrusive as Grammarly has become. So. I don't know. It's really up to the individual user. Maybe some people like to have that extra use if you're not as confident with your writing. But I write science fiction and I use a lot of terms that the machines are not recognizing. Uh, I make up names. Uh, I have um, terms for um, locations or objects that are completely imaginary. Um, and the machine just doesn't understand that. And it just completely... It just gets to a point where I just don't want it around. It's just not useful to me as a science fiction writer. So, um, but, you know, you live and learn. I know with Shrivner, I have been training it a little bit more within the system. So terms that I use a little more often in my writing, I can put them into the dictionary there. And so it plays a little bit better with me as a sci-fi writer. So, you know, it's... If you're maybe a mainstream kind of writer, or maybe you write nonfiction, these things may not um, play havoc with you the way it does with me. I think everybody just has to make their own choice. Yeah, I um, found um, Pro Writing Aid was really good when I first started doing fiction writing, just because 
you know, my background's in journalism and academia and stuff. So just getting the writing down for fiction, I found that things like, you know, passive sentences and things like that, it, it just helped me kind of notice that. And then, I don't know, the more I used it, the kind of less I needed it, if that made sense. So I, I've stopped yeah. using that kind of thing now. But what I do use is um, I've got some macros for Word that I find really useful. So some of them are just like deleting double spaces and adding curly smart quotes around dialogue boxes. But there's also things that pull out your words in clouds. So you can see like overused words that you've got in your thing or like um, one called, I think it's called like proper noun Eliza that will pull out all the proper nouns and it will list them. And then you can go, oh, crap, I've spelt this town two different ways in this novel so <laughs> let's change that oh, that's cool. yeah. you know an, another one that i like is called smart edit it is a little it's about 50 bucks for the program so i usually i only recommend it as something to look at i i really feel more comfortable recommending things that are either free or low cost to people but i must say smart edit has been kind of one of those exceptions for me at least it has been worth it to pay for it it gives me reports on my writing um, and it'll do the adverbs and the complex sentences and things like that. But one thing that it does that some of the other ones don't is it shows me overused words. It'll literally write, tell me in a report how many times I've used a certain word and tell me which ones are more used more often. So sometimes if I've accidentally changed the spelling or a name, it'll pop up in this report. And so I can quickly pick those out where I may not have seen it um, by eye. And it sometimes maybe the misspelling is uh, of an actual word, even though I didn't want to use it that way, it'll pop up in that report as well. So I find for a final edit, smart edit has actually been a really good tool for me, but I don't use it every day. And it's really more part of my final edit stage the, uh, I put all my work through um, a pre-edit, as you would. Um, for short stories, I'll put it, I'll write the thing, I'll do a, a final revision, and then I put it through the editing software to pick out typos and things like that. And then I put it to the human critique group in the case of a short story or to beta readers in the case of a novel. Um, but smart edit is part of that process, but just at the very end, and I think if you, you know, if money's tight, you can, you can do without that one. But I happen to like the program. Yeah. And for my kind of final pass edit, so this is like after it's come back from the editor and all that stuff, I will use an app called eReader Prestigio and use its internal text-to-speech reader and then just read it to me. So then that picks up any errors or any little echoes or missing words or anything like that. Ah, that's good. You know, that's something I don't do, but I really think I should. Um, getting that audio feedback is really good, especially for dialogue. But I, I I guess I'm one of those people that's more visual than oral or audio. I don't always hear things that I would see with my eyes. Mm -hmm. So, but I, I think it's it's a it's a good recommendation though, because not everybody is like me, of course. Some some people do better with their ears. And yeah, it's a great tool to have. definitely. I mean, for, for me as well, because I'm, I'm visually impaired and um, like one of the things I'm really interested in with my writing is the rhythm and the way it flows. And, you know, so because I'm dictating, I can kind of speak it in a 
flowing poetic way and then when I hear it back and then if it, if something's off with the rhythm, it, it really jerks me. So I have to mess around with it and change it. I think it's interesting to hear different perspectives on uh, tools. Uh, like, for example, the Grammarly thing. That's interesting to hear because my experience with it is uh, sort of a little bit the same, but a little bit different. Um, so I used Grammarly. I guess I started using it when I was about halfway through my first novel. And uh, I immediately really liked it. And um, because I was using it through Google Docs uh, on Chrome, I installed it as a Chrome plugin. So essentially, it would uh, check and help me correct everything from emails to, uh, you know, Facebook posts and just anything I was doing because I, uh, like all my online stuff is through Chrome. And that was really kind of handy. Not so much in terms of um, writing style or anything, but I found that uh, I have this particular problem where my fingers don't listen to my brain. And so I end up, I guess maybe it's some kind of dyslexic thing because I end up with words where the letters are, are typed in the wrong order. Uh, And so those kinds of things um, I found where uh, it was very helpful for that because Grammarly would point that out in all across my my writing. However, when I started getting deeper into the novel and it was growing in size, uh, Grammarly really started to chug as I opened the document. I would have to wait and wait and wait. And eventually, like it was, it was also kind of hard to tell because at some point, all of a sudden, there's a bunch of red marks on your page, and you're like, "Oh, I guess Grammarly finished loading." Um, but I found that it wasn't really very, um, it wasn't telling me, like it wasn't transparent in what was pros- in the processing of the document, and then it just ended up being the performance took a major hit when the when the document got. Um, to a certain size. So I would say that it would probably be a better tool if I was writing a uh, chapter at a time documents or, you know, things like that. So I eventually um, turned it off. And then when I was finished the book, turned it back on to run it through a, like a final editing process, um, which was good. And I, it did help me catch a lot of errors. Um, then I also uh, imported it into Word and ran it through the Word spell check, and it also caught a bunch of errors. So I think they're both of those Grammarly and Word have slightly different algorithms, and they're able to catch different issues. Then, as I'm writing the projects that are currently in in progress, um, I have Grammarly turned off, but I'm actually been noticing that in the last probably uh, in the last nine months or so, the internal uh, Google Docs um, functionality has vastly improved. And it is actually catching almost all the, well, I can't, I can't say almost all because I haven't run the Grammarly check yet, but it seems like it's catching a lot more errors. Either the built-in Google Docs functionality is improved or my writing has exponentially declined um, and there's just that much more that many more errors that I'm seeing 
Uh, but uh, yeah, I thought it was interesting. Google Docs actually, Ken. Uh, you know, I've been just defaulting to it for my article writing, which tends to be shorter, and it does wonderfully. And frankly, the um, the voice uh, typing is so accurate. I, I suspect it's catching up with um, the dragon, naturally speaking, as well. Um, wow, I've got to try that. I didn't even know that was in there. You you should try it. You have to use it with Chrome, by the way. It won't work with um, some of the other browsers, but I mean, it's completely free and I've been finding it very accurate. I haven't actually used Dragon. I know my husband does for his work and he's comfortable with it, but I got to say, I, I have no trouble using Google Docs voice for my dictation. And as Ken said, I, I really feel the uh, grammar checks are very accurate, and I don't miss Grammarly at all, to be honest, now that I know that I can use Google Docs to prove things um, adequately. I should also point out, since we're talking about Dragon and those kinds of things, the Windows 10 uh, built-in uh, voice recognition is actually almost as good as Dragon, and this has been verified professionally by like actual side-by-side um, -side comparisons. And there are even doctors and things like, like that that are using just the built-in Windows stuff. Can the Windows 10 thing do the thing that Dragon 15, the professional version, can do, which is you throw an audio file at it and it will transcribe it? Because that is just the best thing for me because I can walk around with a dictaphone and just talk all day. So. I don't think it does, although I haven't actually looked at the program in almost a year. I'll have to double check. Yeah. Last time I looked, it did not. And that was the one drawback. Like I said, I haven't used Dragon, although I know many people swear by it. And, but the one function I haven't really been able to find is to take an MP3 file and transcribe it into text. And that is a strong point for Dragon. Uh, there is a, a, another app called Otter that I use, and it will transcribe a, an MP3 file. I believe if you sign up for the free version, you get 600 hours for free per month, which wow, is wow. more than adequate for most uses, even as a novelist, really. But uh, it will transcribe things, but it's it's kind of hit and miss, and I don't think it's as good as probably the Dragon um, is. I think eventually I might like to get Dragon in my arsenal, though. I, so many people use it and like it. It is a little expensive. But, you know, doing what I do, and since I do like to dictate uh, my drafts quite often, it might be a, a good thing for me to use. And I, I don't know if we've talked about drafting speed, but there uh, many people say they draft faster via dictation uh, by almost 10 times faster than they would with simple typing. Even if you're a quick typist, and I, I type around 120 to 130 a minute, um, even so, dictation is even faster. And when I'm dictating ideas, I'll just go for a little while and I look back and I'll have five or 6,000 words. And at the same time, I would have been lucky to type maybe 1,500. Yeah, but I had my uh, best day doing dictating, which was like a 12,000 word day. So <laughs> more wow. of those. Like one of those people that are turning out 10 books a year doing that. <laughs> um. To be honest, it's because uh, I do novellas. I'm doing a, one a month, and I've got a couple of. I think this year will probably be like more than one a month, just because I've got a load of backlog projects that I'm wow. finishing off. So yeah, I mean, well, I, I do... value you, John. That's great. I'm I'm lucky to get a, a novel or a novella done every year. 
but um, I write a lot of poetry. I also have a blog and I do a lot of blog articles. And so I do have a lot on my plate, but um, yeah, I, I like dictation. It's really making a difference for me speed wise and it's helping me put out a little more content. But, you know, I, I do like to do poetry and dictation doesn't help much with poetry. It's really more of just a paper pen kind of thing and really focusing in on getting the right words down. Uh, mm. You know, some people look at a poem and think, oh, you can belt out those in five minutes. Uh, it doesn't quite work that way. <laughs> when the book's edited, we need to format it. <laughs> I mean, yes. What kind of stuff do you use for that? It depends. So I write uh, poetry, chapbooks, I write fiction, and I write some nonfiction. So um, depending on my release strategy, some of the chapbooks, I do not do an ebook um, because the formatting for poetry can be strange. Sometimes the white space is, is the most important part of a poem. And uh, that doesn't translate all the time into an ebook format. So I don't always use the same consistent release process, I suppose. So depending on whether I'm going through Amazon's KDP or whether I'm going through Ingram Spark or um, other methods, um, draft to digital. So I'll use various different ways of getting my book out there. And each of those have slightly different um, requirements and uh, kind of preferences, I guess, for the formatting of the input. But in general, I've found that a Word document tends to work most of the time. Yeah, I use Draft2Digital for all my stuff. So, you know, because I write novels and nonfiction stuff, it just works really well. I mean, I think once you start getting into any complicated formatting, then you can't really do it with the free stuff. I think you have to use something like Vellum which is obviously Mac only, but you can use, um, or is it Mac in cloud to do it if you're using a PC? So, it, you know, there are workarounds with that one. With eBooks, especially, and with novels, like I don't know how much a, you know, if it's not much difference to a Word document, like what difference actually makes to a reader as long as it kind of flows right and, you know, there's not just random lines here and there and things like that. I think as long as it's, clear and flows i don't i don't think there's much that makes a difference if you know what i mean that's going to affect the reader experience i don't know about yeah, I, I put a lot more time i guess into formatting than some people do and i do it all myself too like i said i use shrivener as the base to generate my work so once my manuscript is fine and by the way i i did an ebook of my poetry book and a um, print book and just as i did with my one novel I did an ebook and a print book, and of course, I did all the work myself. I start out with Shrivener to generate the basic EPUB, but I don't submit that because I find that it's not ex it's not clean enough to go through the system. I actually use a free program called Sigil. That's S I G I L, and what I do is I import my EPUB in there, and I use Sigil to go over it and clean up anything. See, sometimes you get widows and orphans. Um, sometimes you put in graphics for like chapter heads and they're not always um, correct. I also am an illustrator. So for instance, in my poetry book, I illustrated um, images of each planet to be uh, the chapter head of my uh, each chapter. Cause I did poetry 
um, inspired by each planet and solar system. So I had an image of each planet for each uh, chapter. But I had to not only create the images, I do that with pen and ink on paper. I scan the image and then I turn it into a uh, JPEG and then I insert that into my book. And as long as you do a black and white image, it doesn't add to the cost of your manuscript, either in the ebook form or in the uh, print version. And then I use Calibre or Caliber, however people pronounce it. And I use that to create other copies. So I can create a Mobi, I can create um, a text version, and I keep these versions on my computer for use with beta readers and things like that. Although recently I have signed up for Story Origin, which is a uh, kind of distribution place. Um, it helps you with your newsletters and other marketing things. But one of the things they have is a place that you can put a manuscript for your beta readers and have people sign up to read your manuscript and to write reviews for you. So I need to create something that I have on my computer that I can upload to a service of that nature. So that's what I, I use Calibre for. For my PDF version, which becomes the print version, um, I do use Word. I've done it that way. And I think for my poetry book, I did use Word, probably in a similar way that Ken did his poetry book and other um, versions. Um, what I do is I, I take my manuscript out of Shrivener, but this time I tell Shrivener to export it as a PDF. And then I can put that into Word and then fix it up way. But I have recently started using a different program called Affinity Publisher, which is very similar to InDesign, um, but it's much cheaper. The program's about 50 bucks. I also bought their um, photo version too. Um, and the two have interlinked properties. But I, I'm finding it very good to set up um, PDF files for print books. Um, I'm not completely comfortable with it yet, but um, I think my next book is not going to be going through Word. I think it's going to be going through the Infinity Publisher. It has a big learning curve, um, but, you know, there's time. I'll learn. Yeah, there's a but lot of very powerful book. tools out there for that kind of thing. Um, another one that uh, we should mention is uh, a free tool called Scribus which is similar to that with the layouts. I use it for generating the cover art, uh, the wraparound cover art, um, when I'm sending that to Ingram Spark. And you can also use it for full books. I'm actually probably going to use it for a children's book that I have planned because, yeah, you can do the full layout, uh, all, all that kind of creative sweet stuff. And I think it might actually also work for building comic books and things like that that are very more graphically oriented. I think Affinity Publisher does all that as well. I, yeah. I tried Scribus and I just couldn't wrap my head around it. It was just, it was just too difficult. And I'm just yeah. finding Affinity Publisher to be, I mean, it still has a learning curve, but I think it's within my ability to learn it. I mean, we, we have so many tools that we could possibly buy. It's it, You really should pick and choose and not overload yourself with things. I mean, lately I've been using a program called Plotter, that's P-L-O-T-T-R, which um, generates very visual storyboards um, of your novel. Uh, well, I shouldn't say storyboards, more like um, timeline outlines. 
so that you can break apart your story by characters, where they go in. It's, it's actually been really interesting. And it also will generate a story Bible for you. And this whole thing can be exported into Shrivener. They, they don't have a direct export yet, but they're working on it. But um, I'm also thinking about incorporating this back into my Notion environment and storing the final products there. It's a relatively new program, but a lot of people I know are converting over to it and seem to love it. Um, I'm finding that I like it as well. Um, I'm still not sure if it's going to be a permanent part of my writing process, but it seems to have a, a good spot. Um, it takes up a good spot in it that I feel is a useful tool to have. And I'm one of those people where I don't mind having different tools for each task of the writing process. I try to keep things as simple as possible, but when something comes along that makes the process easier and um, more clean to see and, and helps me in a way, I'm, I'm not against um, picking up another tool, especially if it's reasonably priced. Yeah, that sounds really cool. I've, I've never heard of that, but it looks really neat. Thank you.